how cyber criminals are exploiting the COVID-19 crisis, the 2020 elections, can we have them if we're still social distancing in November, and five tips to securing the remote workplace. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. It's an ill wind that blows no one any good, as they say. The current COVID-19 crisis is indeed a very ill wind, but that's not stopping cybercriminals from exploiting the pandemic for their own nefarious ends. With a rundown of coronavirus cybercrime, here's ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz. As the old saying goes, never waste a good crisis. Unfortunately, cybercriminals have been taking that saying to heart. As the COVID-19 pandemic rages on, crooks are continuing to take advantage of the outbreak. Security experts forecast that the quantity of online attacks, including malware and phishing campaigns, plus network intrusions, will continue to mount as attackers increasingly gun for organizations that may have more employees working remotely now, as well as fewer IT and security staff at the ready to mitigate hack attacks and successful intrusions. Having more workers working remotely also means an increase in the threat posed by phishing campaigns, which have been surging. Attackers have been using COVID-19-themed messages that include links to malicious sites, or which have attached Microsoft Office documents with malicious macros designed to download and execute malware on a victim's system. Some of these messages appear to come from the World Health Organization, or U.S. Center for Disease Control, and exploit individuals' obvious need to know more about the pandemic. They're not the only ones talking about it. New research from security firm Digital Shadows has found a massive increase in cybercrime forum chatter about the disease. It says that since February 19th, dark web search activity for COVID-19 increased more than sevenfold just as it has on the clear web with people searching for information via Google. Despite cybercrime forum users talking about COVID-19, however, it's not clear that many of them are attempting to profit from it. In particular, Dark Shadows says that forum posters asking for ways to exploit the pandemic are often met with a barrage of criticism from their fellow cybercrime aficionados. Unfortunately, this hasn't blunted all attempts to turn COVID-19 to some criminal's advantage. Two ransomware gangs, Maze and Doppelpamer, have promised to provide free decryptors to any hospital they hit. But such promises, even if true, belie the fact that it takes time to unlock systems. Any interruption of healthcare facilities, never mind their suppliers, will likely lead to more people dying unnecessarily. Intelligence agencies in the US, UK, Europe, Israel, and beyond are no doubt tracking these attacks and attempting to tie them back to perpetrators. Anyone who disrupts healthcare facilities will likely become a major target once the COVID-19 pandemic clears. In the short term, however, what can organizations do to better protect themselves? For IT, testing the backup and recovery plans in place is a must, not least for the healthcare sector, which continues to face an elevated risk of being hit by crypto-locking malware. On that front, Kudos go to ransomware response firm Coveware and security firm MCSoft, which this week announced jointly that effective immediately, they'll provide free help to any healthcare organization that gets hit by ransomware. 
IT teams must also ensure that remote workers have a full suite of security defenses, including antivirus and email filtering software to better protect them. IT also needs to be using software that allows it to monitor for unusual activity. Unfortunately, unusual is the word of the day, and attackers remain likely to exploit the current corporate chaos as personnel who might be suddenly working from home, get hit with out-of-the-ordinary legitimate requests to install this piece of software or maybe even click this link. Accordingly, common sense must prevail, especially as organizations continue to get the right defenses in place to protect an IT ecosystem that for many organizations and individuals changed virtually overnight. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Last week, U.S. Cyberdome announced the formation of the first ever information sharing and analysis organization for political campaigns, or PCISO. I spoke with Matt Barrett and Joe Drissel, two of the founders of U.S. Cyberdome, about this recent initiative aimed at sharing cyber threat information between political campaigns, and then the conversation pivoted to something a bit more topical. Can we actually have a presidential election if we're unable to gather in public places in November? Here's their response. So this is Joe, and, and yes, I, I actually believe we can, we can hold an election. Uh, I, do, I do think it's going to require some forethought. I do think it will uh, require some innovation. And I also think it will require some um, additional dollars to be put towards it. You know, the the absentee ballot uh, process is pretty mature in in a lot of the states. So that is one option. Of course, that may reduce the number of people that vote. So if you want to get the volume up, they may need to come up with another solution. The biggest concern that I have is in a lot of these situations, and you'll find this in the cyber, in, in the IT community, and in particular, the cybersecurity community gets a little uh, worried about these kinds of situations. Is that we move quickly to create a solution that we don't properly assess from a cybersecurity perspective, and that opens the door up for uh, you know all sorts of things to go sideways on us. So if you, if you really think about it, you know, there's a way to do this if they think about it now and they start working on it now, there's a way to do this and make it happen right. And maybe just work on getting the word out to folks, hey, you need to get an absentee ballot, get them into the mail, make sure people have an opportunity to return them. And and also let's look at the, the other things that maybe we can do to make it easier for people to vote online. Yeah, Matt here. Let me, let me chime in on that one. My background at the National Institute of Standards and Technology participating in such projects as the Voluntary Voting System Guideline. In support of Election Assistance Commission, we are seeing this increasing trend toward voting and voting, you know, an app-based sort of voting versus a voting machine sort of voting. So this is a, that's more of a statement on what the future may hold and where we may need to focus as a society so that for parties that can't get out to vote, they still have the opportunity to do so. Um, absentee ballot is certainly a great idea. In the short run, there may be a more of a real-time way to do that in the future because, after all, there's a lot of our society that can't get out to vote, and, it, and it's 
And it's not about a pandemic. It's about uh, a whole bunch of lifestyle sort of factors. And sometimes folks just can't get out to vote. So I think increasingly we need to embrace those sort of technologies to increase the the amount of votes. Finally, it's a very strong possibility that this is the first week you're listening to this podcast from home. If you're lucky, this is from a dedicated home office. If you're less fortunate, there's a good chance that you're at your kitchen table fighting for real estate with home craft projects and kids playing Minecraft. This involuntary shift for many of us from work being somewhere you go to something you do wherever you can has cybersecurity implications. And this week, ISMG's SVP of editorial, Tom Field, spoke with Phil Reidinger of the Global Cyber Alliance, a non-profit organisation focused on eradicating systemic cybersecurity risks. Phil provided five tips that they published for securing a remote workplace. Here he is. I'm actually, for most people, going to limit it to three. I'll talk about all of them, but I think there are three things that uh, workforce that workers and employers absolutely need to do. One is what I said, patch your systems, right? And it's not just patch your work laptop at home. Make sure your router at home is fully up to speed. Um, if there are other devices on your network, make sure they're patched as well to give you the best protected surface area possible. Um, the second is what I just mentioned, um, that you really need to use multi-factor authentication. Um, if you, if you, you know, so many of the services that you're already using, you know, a lot of people use Office 365 or use Gmail, G Suite, or other cloud-based email services. Most of those sorts of services, you can turn on two-factor authentication by checking, by checking a box. And so that would, be, that would be something that is not that hard to do and would be a super significant additional layer of security. The other thing that I suggest, and I'm focusing on things that are super easy to do, is to use a protective DNS service. You know, all you have to do is go into the settings on your device and set it up so it uses a protective DNS service like Quad9. Um, it can be done in literally one or two minutes, and it provides a substantial additional barrier for attackers to go through. So that won't completely protect you, but if you do those three things, you'll, you'll do a lot. I'll suggest there are a couple more things. So the best idea, as we all know, is to stay at home. You know, and if you need a coffee, then you make your coffee pot, right? But some people are going to Starbucks. Some people need to get around and get out and do stuff for a while. If you do that, sit away from other people and do a couple of things. One, be really aware of physical security. Um, it's very easy for somebody to walk by uh, and snap, you know, grab your laptop or walk away with your phone if you're just distracted for a second. Um, you know, it's really fun if you, if everybody's on the internet, right? Go to the city of London police Twitter account and look at the videos they've got of scooter theft where people are driving by and just grabbing cell phones out of your hands as they go through the streets of London on scooters. It's like that, but it's really a lot easier when somebody's in a, in a Starbucks or a Costa or a Pete's or the coffee shop that you prefer. Um, the other thing is, and there's, this is a little iffier, some people don't think this is necessary, but I still think it's pretty smart to use a virtual private network um, if you are uh, accessing corporate resources through public Wi-Fi. Um, I just like the extra touch of authentication and knowing that I'm going through a secure tunnel 
to get to um, my workplace and the resources I'm trying to reach, and then I'm not being redirected in some way. Um, those are the five things that I would strongly recommend people do. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.